0: Thanks for listening to the Refuel podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Hey, tonight we're digging into um, our Upper Room series here and we're going to be in John 15. And if you know anything about John 15, it talks about fruit. How many of y'all like fruit? What's your favorite kind of fruit? Somebody said strawberries and you and you are correct. So, how many of y'all like oranges? How many of y'all like oranges? a whole bag of oranges. How many of y'all like oranges? we talking about fruit tonight. So I just thought I'd like hand out fruit. Oh, ben or Josh? Hold on, I'm going to try to throw two at one time. Ready? <laughs> Musgrave. <laughs> try that again. Jordan. There we go. All right. How many of y'all like other kinds of fruit? Who here likes Watermelon. All right. Now, anybody like cantaloupe? (laughs) Johnny! (laughs) I don't know. So, we're talking about fruit tonight. And I thought, how can I open the message? I'll just throw a bunch of fruit. So, I bought it at the First Avenue Kroger, that's how much I love you. Or the, the, not the first, the first street Kroger. That's how much I love you. There was a cop when you went in, there was a cop when you went out. Um, So we're talking about fruit tonight because we're doing a series, what, called Abide? Did did any of y'all pick up on, on, in the song that the band did, all the different, like, references to what we've been studying? You're the way, the truth, and the life. Draw me close, teach me to abide. Um, So tonight we're going to be in John chapter 15. And we're going to we're going to be answering the question how can I live a life for Jesus that matters? If you're a Christian here tonight, if you're a Christian here tonight, you're going to be you're going to be we're going to be answering that question. How can I make my life matter spiritually? If you're here and you're not quite sure you're a Christian or you're just trying to figure things out, tonight you're going to kind of maybe get like a a preview of what the Jesus life would be were you to trust him as your savior and follow him. So whether you're a Christian and you want to know how I can I live the Jesus life or whether you're just kind of like figuring things out and you want to know what would it mean for me to live the Jesus life you're going to find something in this section of scripture tonight and the big truth is this I can't live a fruitful life apart from Jesus we're talking about spiritually speaking you can't live a fruitful life apart from Jesus so let's turn to John chapter 15 and you're starting to figure this out right I'm going to ask a few questions aren't I as we're turning there who wrote the book of John john what 's so special about the dude jesus. right Oh man all the, all the way from the back right he 's Jesus 's ride or die he 's jesus 's best friend. Jesus had twelve disciples, they were all close to him, but then there were three that were closer Peter James, and John, and then there was one that was the ultimate BFF ride or die, and it was John. So how is John different than some of the than the other three gospels, Matthew Mark and Luke? You're about- he wrote about everything. He got to experience different things and experience ed- Jesus' best friend. Why did John, why did the Holy Spirit move John why, to write the book of John, write the gospel of John? So, we so that we may believe. John twenty thirty one is the cheat code to the book of John. These things were written that you may believe in Jesus and then if you believe in him, you'll have life, eternal life in his name. So let's, let's go ahead and look at John chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through the first 17 verses, then we're going to pray together that God teaches us as we talk about it, and then we're going to dig in. So let's read. This is Jesus talking. Remember what has happened? Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. They're eating the Passover meal. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It got real awkward, and then it got normal again. They start eating, and then Jesus says, one of you is gonna betray me, it got awkward again. Then the guy leaves, and it got normal again, and then Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm getting ready to leave this world, and die, and rise again, and then go, and you can't go where I'm going. It got weird again, and the disciples freaked out, and Jesus spent the entire chapter of uh, John 14, uh, which we talked about over the last two weeks, saying, it's gonna be okay. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to come back and get you and take you to where I'm going. And in the meantime, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. And then in John chapter 15, Jesus continues teaching. And he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Pay attention to these, these terms here. Every branch that is not in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the words I've spoken to you Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine Neither can you unless you abide in me I'm the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him It is he that bears much fruit lots of fruit lots of bears not the are kind the eat kind For apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me, he's like, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Wow. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, excuse me, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, Jesus says, he repeats from chapter 13, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father I've made known for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask my Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you that you also will love one another. Let's pray. Um, God, this is something that is so important for us who trust in you to get and to understand And so, God, I pray for each student and each leader and for me as we're here tonight. Um, God, there are so many things that we could be thinking about. There's so many things we could be talking about if we understood this. Lord, I truly believe it would change the direction of our lives. So, God, I pray that we'll get it. I pray that you'll remove the things that would stop us from getting it. And I pray that you'll speak to us through your word tonight as we talk about it and think about it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus tells us that we're supposed to abide in him and he uses the imagery of fruit. Specifically, Jesus uses like the picture of a vine, a grape vine. How many of y'all like grapes? I should have thrown grapes and see if you could caught them in your mouth. I'm gonna do that next time. Might not be good to do with the flu going around. I don't know. But what we're going to start here is looking at verse 1. And we're going to look at all of the characters. You know that there are, uh, there, there are, there are three different characters and one kind of fruit that's mentioned here. So let's look at it. I am the true vine. Who's that? Jesus. Boom. Sunday school answer works that time. And my father is the vine dresser. What in the world is that? We'll talk about it here in a second. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he turns away. So he's talking about branches. Well, who are the branches? Well, Jesus answers that in verse number five. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. See that? So we have three characters. We have Jesus, we have the father, and we have what we'll learn are believers, people who trust in Jesus. Christians are the branches. So I couldn't sleep well Sunday night into Monday. April was like out. She was sleeping really well. I didn't want to wake her up. So I pulled my phone out and I did a deep dive into viticulture. Does anybody know what in the world viticulture was? See, April was just sleeping. She had no idea I was getting into viticulture. It sounds bad. It's not. It's the uh, it, it, it's the, the the industry. Somebody's eating an orange and it smells incredible. Uh, <laughs> it smells so fresh. Um, viticulture is is the the, uh, the art of growing grapes for making wine. And in the Jewish community there in the first century, this was a big deal. Why was it a big deal? It's because the kind kind of wine that they drank in first century Israel was the... Number one thing to drink. When we think of drinking, especially when it involves alcohol, we think of people maybe going down to bars, maybe getting drinking too much, maybe getting into things that they shouldn't get into. It was a whole different ball game back then. We don't have time to necessarily get into it, uh, but, but back then, what the, what the, these vine dressers would do? They have these big grape vineyards. They grow these grapes. They would they would ma- maybe you've seen it where they mash the grapes into the grape juice, and they put it, yeah, like they roll their, if, if, you, got foot, if, if you don't like feet, you'd hate to watch it, because it's just disgusting, and, and they mash the grapes, and they get the grape juice, then they put it in these skins, and while the grape juice was in the skins, it would do what's called ferment. It, it would change its chemical composition, it would become alcoholic, but they, ta- they would take another step that may- most people don't do now, is they would let it set into like a paste. They'd store the paste, then they would mix it with water, for two reasons. The first is that the water would dilute the alcohol to where you could drink enough to wet your whistle, you could drink enough to get refreshed and not be in any danger of getting drunk unless you drank a whole lot. The second reason they would do it is because the alcohol in that paste would purify the water. You ever been in a country where you're not allowed to drink the water? I've been in a country where I'm not supposed to drink the water. I accidentally drank the water and I was hugging the porcelain goddess for the rest of the day. You know what I'm talking about? You know, because the water, back then we're, you you couldn't go to the store and buy a bottle of water. Um, They didn't have water treatment. So that was how they would make water safe to drink. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about a vine dresser making grapes for wine, we're not just talking about somebody who's trying to like, you know, you know make wine so a bunch of mine, wine moms can get drunk on the weekend. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is it's creating something that people really need in order to live back then. So this is an important, this was an important thing in that culture. Does that make sense? It'll connect here in a second. Okay. So then there were different, um, there were different people who were involved in it. And of course, at every, uh, yeah, Every um, grape orchard would have vines of grapes, and there would be a vine dresser. Uh, and what we learn is that the branches that come off of that vine, Jesus says it represents believers. Um, these are these are, I believe, saved people. Um, some pe- yeah, I, I've I've heard it said. Well, this, you know, it's talking about bearing fruit, and what this is supposed to demonstrate is that you know, some people bear fruit, and those are the true Christians. Some people don't bear fruit, and those are the not true Christians. Well. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here who would all be believers and he also says in verse 3 you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you so when Jesus says I'm the vine and you are the branches he's speaking to saved people he's not speaking to people who need to determine whether or not they're saved he's speaking to saved people and he's speaking to believers does that that make sense so far? All right. and what is there's only one thing we haven't talked about what is the fruit? what is the fruit? What is the fruit? What, what is spiritual fruit? There are all kinds of ways to describe it, but it's essentially what I've been saying, living the Jesus life. The fruit of living in Jesus, the fruit of obeying Jesus, the fruit of being connected to Jesus in fellowship is going to get real real here in a second, okay? The fruit of being connected to Jesus in a fellowship relationship, in an intimate relationship, is that you become like Jesus. So the words you say are the words that Jesus would say. Um, the places you go are places that Jesus will go. The way you treat people is the way that Jesus would treat people. Does that make sense? The fruit of being connected to Jesus is the Jesus life. So now... If we want to live the Jesus life, if we want to live a fruitful life, we're given here, I believe, three different things that we need to understand if we want to live a fruitful life for God. And here's the first one, it's that fruit is expected. If you plant an apple tree in your yard, what do you want to get out of it? You want to get some daggone apples so your grandma can make apple pie, right? Mmm, starting to get good here. So your grandma can make apple pie. Vineyards are planted to get what? grapes. Fruit is expected. And the same is true in um, with our lives, spiritual fruit is expected of Christians. Well, why is that? Well, the first is that you see that the Father, is, God the Father is involved in this. He says, my Father is the vine dresser. And this is interesting. It shows how God is wor- how God the Father is working in our lives to put us in a position to bear fruit. It tells us that he does, does two things. First, every branch in me, look, these are believers. They're in Jesus. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. What does it mean that he takes away? Sometimes we get the picture. Oh, he takes it away. He, t- he gets out the axe, he's like, "Whoops." You know, he's going to he's going to lop that thing off and throw it away. That word for takes takes away in the in the Greek, it's the word airo, which was used in viticulture in the, in, in in people who, you know, who who did these vines is that they would take those branches, sometimes branches you can you can see how the, the branches were all lifted above the ground. Sometimes branches would grow to where they would be on the ground. And here was the danger. It's going to make a connection here in a second. The danger is that when those branches, there's an orange rolling forward. The danger. Here. I'll put your orange right here so you can get it afterwards. It's got your name on it. Here's the danger. When these vines would, would touch the ground, they would automatically start to, start to develop roots into the ground. And those roots would, instead of, t- instead of providing nutrients from the ground into the vine, it would zap all the nutrients from the vine. So what what the vine dresser would do is that he would arrow, he would lift up those branches that were trying to root themselves where they shouldn't and connect them to a trellis, a system to where they could grow to where they needed to be. Does that make sense? Do you see how God's working in our lives to do that? There are times where we're trying to find our nourishment, our spiritual nourishment, our emotional nourishment in places that God does not want us to find spiritual nourishment in because it's not going to, it's going to zap us of spiritual nourishment Sometimes it's relationships, sometimes it's friendships that are leading us the wrong direction. So what does God do? He doesn't cut us off. He's our Father. He loves us. He takes us and He lifts us up and puts us where we need to be, and connects us to places and people that will allow us to grow the right direction, which, you know, is incredible. The next thing that it says that He does, so this is the first thing that He does ah) This is the first thing he does. The second thing he does, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He cuts off some of the shoots and the leaves that are going too far away so that it can be healthy. He cuts off things that are unhealthy. You know, sometimes God cuts off things in our lives that are unhealthy. And our reaction is usually, we get really upset. We get more than ticked when God cuts things off from our lives. There's some of you guys, you know, you thought this girl was just like you like everything you could ever imagine and all of a sudden she dumps you. And you're like, "What's up with that, God?" And God says, "I'm pruning. I'm pruning." Right? Some of y'all girls, you, know, you you met this guy, he was just like, I mean, God's gift to women and he was yours and you had him And he moved to the other side of the country or something. He found a new woman over there. You're like, why God? And God's like, I'm pruning. I'm pruning. A friend turned their back on you and you're like, God, why would you let that happen? He's like, I'm pruning. They weren't good for you. God prunes. You know what we call that? You know what other parts of the Bible call that? They call that the discipline of God. The chastisement of God. You know that God's a good dad. Maybe you're not maybe you've been in a position in your life where you don't have like a dad figure in your life. And if you don't, um, I I hope you see God who is a great father. But maybe you do have a good dad figure in your life. One thing you know that a dad is kind of like born to do is to kind of like protect and to guide and to direct. And that's exactly what God the Father does because he's a good dad. Look what Hebrews says about it in chapter 12. It says, the Lord disciplines and chastises every son every one of his children that he receives. God's not going to let you run out in the road and get smashed by a TTA bus. He's going to grab you and put you back where you need to be. Why? Because he's your son. Or you're his son. You're his. <laughs> got that? <right. laughs> Fix that theology real quick. Because you're his son. You're his daughter. He's not going to let anything like that happen to his son or his daughter. This chapter in Hebrews goes on to say he disciplines us for our good, why that we may share in his holiness. Do you see this picture here? As God's lifting up these branches that are looking for roots in the wrong places, as He's cutting the things off of the branches that are unhealthy. He's working in your life. You don't always like it, but He's. Working Work, another orange rolling forward. He's working in your life. He's working in your life to make you more like Jesus so that you can what? Share in his holiness. Get even closer. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, it says this. At the moment, discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Has God ever been working in your life? And you're like, ow, God, that hurt. But it says, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been transformed by it. Do you see this picture of God? I spent way too long talking about this. But do you see this picture of God the Father? How he's caring for you? You may not have an earthly father that cares for you spiritually. But there is a heavenly father who's working in the vineyard of your life to make you who he wants you to be. I spent way too long on that so I've got to play catch up. Look at what the sun does. The sun nourishes. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away. We'll get to that here in a second. But he says in the end of verse five, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus gives no exceptions here. That means that apart from Jesus... You are, and I am spiritually worthless. He's our source. His words and the spirit that He puts in us when we trust in Him as our Savior is everything to us, and he's our nourishment. You cut a branch off from the vine, it dies. You cut yourself off in your relationship with Jesus, and you start dying spiritually from the inside out. Now, let's look at this little, this little verse here, because this is an interesting one. Verse 6, it says, if anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers. So a vine, a branch that's disconnected from the vine at one point was in the vine. And what do we know about Jesus and salvation? Jesus said earlier in John, John John chapter 10, that those who are his are in his hand and his hand is in the father's hand and no one can snatch them out of his hand. You can't lose your salvation. But you can become very ineffective spiritually when you stop abiding in Jesus. One of the things that they, in my deep dive into viviculture, um, at probably 3 a.m. while April was sleeping like a little baby, what I learned was grapevines when they're dead they, and they become like dead wood, they're good for nothing. If, if, if a tree dies and it falls or you cut a tree down, it's good for something. You can turn that poplar or that locust wood or that, you know, that, that cherry wood into something. You can make it into furniture. Grapevines, the dead wood from grapevines are useless. And this is what Jesus is saying here: is If you disconnect yourself from Jesus, you become a useless Christian. There was no use for the hard dead wood that came from grapevines. And just as useless is 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 a person who's been indwelled by the Holy Spirit and trusted in Jesus. But they decide they don't want to live the Jesus life for now, maybe later. You know, you can be very successful in life. Like your guidance is going all, over all these careers with you. And you know, you can become an engineer and you can design entire cities that people live in. And you can still be a spiritual failure. You be- can become a medical doctor and save people's lives and still not succeed spiritually. You can become like one of the .1% of people who go to be a professional athlete and get million dollar contracts and get endorsement deals and still fail spiritually if you're not connected to Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? Fruit, the Jesus life, is expected of believers because we're supposed to be connected to the vine. That's the first truth. The next truth is that obedience is required. This is where it, this is where it really gets interesting, I think. Uh, as you keep reading... It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I'm going to change my color up here, get it pretty, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now this, this command is connected all the way back um, to chapter 14 where Jesus says, you need to do the things I do and if you ask, I'll help you do those things I do. Anything you ask, in, in, in that context, I'll do for you. Why? By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. What Jesus is saying here is that obedience is required because it glorifies God, because it identifies us with Jesus. You'll prove to be my disciples. And then he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What does it take to abide in Jesus, to live in Jesus, to remain in Jesus? It takes living the life that he left for us to live. It's really not that like it's really not that complicated. People try to like, people try to outline it, people try to make a 12-step. If you would just learn what Jesus did and what he told us to do, and do it, you would abide in Jesus. He says. He gives us an example. Look, he says, just as I've kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love, that's Jesus' example to us. He did the same thing. Why is obedience required? Well, several reasons, but without it, you'll never have the joy of the Lord. Do you see this little promise down here? It almost, if you, if you don't read it carefully, it almost seems out of place. He says, I've spoken to you these things, these things, the, his commands, his life that he left for us. He says, I've spoken to you that you may have, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Somewhere along the line, I feel like Christianity got like bad PR or something and became known for what it's against. And maybe that's been kind of your experience with Christianity with people who follow Jesus. They don't do this, they don't do this, they don't do this, they don't like this, they don't like this. You know, Christians should be the most joy-filled people in the world. And you know what I've learned and you will learn? By abiding in Jesus is that when you're living the Jesus life, that's when you're the most joyful. I know people who have found joy in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Ain't nobody finding joy in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Except like 20 teenagers who lived the Jesus life for a week. I've seen people find the joy of Jesus cleaning bathrooms in the Dominican Republic. Where you're not allowed to flush the toilet paper. You know, we take the joy of Jesus wherever we are because we're living the Jesus life because we're connected to him. So obedience is required. And then finally, love is central. Love is central. Can you find yourself on this picture here? Love is central. Jesus gets back to the main point. Remember the disciples, if you've been tracking with this whole series, the disciples had a squirrel moment. You know the dog from Up Squirrel, you know. Jesus was telling him in chapter 13... Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. I'm leaving. Love one another as I have you. And the disciples, the whole love one another thing was like, whoosh, and they're like, wait, you're leaving? What? You're leaving? Forget the whole love one another thing. You're leaving? So Jesus deals with that in chapter 14, and now he's back to his, what he was originally saying. Love one another as I have loved you. This is not the first time he's given this commandment. Love one another as as I have loved you. Jesus gets back to the main point, it's love. You realize that it kind of bookends this section. He says, love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, that you will love one another. So if you want to obey Jesus, so that you can abide in Jesus, there's one thing you have to get above everything else. It's that everything you do for Jesus, and for Jesus, and with Jesus, has to be done out of love. 1 Corinthians says it like this, that if you do all these great things, but you don't do it in love, you're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's it. That's all you are spiritually. It keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. Sorry about your drums, Ben. You're just a You're just a gong. You're a clanging cymbal. You make a big noise for like two seconds and then you're done. You ever met somebody who they they could tell you inside and out every ism, schism, and spasm of the Bible, but they're some of the most unloving people you've ever met? They're some of the most judgmental people you've ever come in contact with and all they do is pick apart other people and the way they live their lives and the way they talk. They're not doing it out of love. They've missed the main point. He tells us three, or excuse me, five things about love here. I'm going to underline it in pink because pink is the color of love. He tells us, (laughs) that was creepy, especially now that I have the mustache. I need to be careful what I say. Um, he, He tells us five different things about love. The first is that, ab- that, that, that abiding love, that love sacrifices. He says greater love has no one than this, than that someone lays down his life for his friends. So can there be any greater love than Jesus who laid down his life for the sins of the world on the cross? So Jesus sets the bar really high, right? He says that the first that love has to be sacrificial. Then next, he says that it, it's, it's obedient. He says you're my friend's, if you do what I command you. If we want to love Jesus, what does he say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Obey, obedience. Next, you keep on going down in verse 15. Abiding love is truthful. He says, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends for all that I've heard of the Father I've made known to you Jesus allowed us to get up close and personal to him to see him for who he is to read his words and that he was truthful with us you know if we're loving to people we need to be truthful with them even when it's not convenient abiding love meets the needs of others what does Jesus say you didn't choose me I chose you and appointed to you that you should bear fruit Jesus is saying you weren't looking for me I found you all fishing in the Sea of Galilee. You weren't looking for me. I was looking for you. But I knew you needed me. So abiding love, love meets needs. And then finally, love bears fruit. That your fruit should abide. It bears fruit. So we have to, whatever we do, we have to do things in love. And that can't just be something we like tack on the end. That has to be the beginning and the end of everything we do. Jesus says the two biggest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love others as yourself. And he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It reminds me of the law and the prophets, Jesus's commands being like the vine that's on the trellis and love being the trellis that holds it all up. If you don't have love, you're big trouble. You're not going to succeed spiritually, you're not going to abide. So the main point is this: I can't live a fruitful life apart from Jesus. I need to bear fruit. I can't, bar, bear, I can't bar fruit. I can't bear fruit unless I obey Jesus, and I can't obey Jesus unless I'm obeying out of a motive of love. I've got two minutes and six R words to wrap this up. Do you think I can do it? Yeah. Let's do it. The first, these may hurt. I forgot to give you that disclaimer. Some of these are not gonna be very enjoyable for you, but if you wanna be connected to Jesus, you know, you and I both have to, have to do these. The first is receive God's discipline. Has God been removing something from your life and you've been really, really upset about it? What if you embrace what God's doing in your life? And you say, God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but I know that you're using this to make me more like you and to correct me. Receive God's discipline. I wrote it down like this. The sooner you accept God's discipline and get back to living for him, the sooner you'll find joy in your life again. There's no more miserable of a Christian that's living outside of the vine. And God's trying to correct. Next, resolve not to waste your life. Are you bearing fruit or are you dying on the vine? There's no no one more confused than a Christian who's lost his purpose. Um... What if you started dreaming about the fruit that God could, would produce through you if you would reconnect with him and in fellowship with him? You know, I was thinking about D-Now weekend and how just the fact that we all, and I know there was, you know, some of you weren't able to be with us, but you, just the fact that during D-Now weekend, everybody said, hey, for this weekend, I'm gonna focus on God. And look what happened. God moved in a special way. What if instead of saying, I'll just do this for a weekend, we say, I'm just going to abide in Jesus every day and not just give a weekend. If God could do that through a weekend, if God could do that through a weekend, what could God do through a life? Think about it. God doesn't want a weekend. God wants a life. The next, rely on Jesus daily. It's like two sides of the same coin. The word and prayer. The word is how God talks to us, right? We read it, we think about it, we obey it. And then the other side of that coin is we talk to God by praying. How's your Bible life? How's your prayer life? You show me your Bible life and I'll show you, you show me your Bible life and your prayer life and I'll show you how much you're relying on God. Next, relate to others and God with love. You know there's this cycle and everybody's always curious about I mean, y'all, how many of y'all were in the pool for D-NOW weekend? And you know there's that whirlpool? You know? And I mean some of y'all were getting like Right? The love of God is like a whirlpool. It's like a cycle. And, 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 and on, on one corner of it God loves you. And then around the next corner, you love God. And around the next corner, you love others. And on the next corner, other loves you, others love you. And then you love God. And then God loves you. And then you love others. And others love you. And so many people are like, what do I do first? Do I, do, do I show um, love to others first? Or do, do I get in my Bible first? or do I do? Just jump in. And the whirlpool will take you. Just start loving people and loving God and so much of this will work itself out. Relate to God and others with love. Radiate the joy of Jesus. Some of y'all, you know, I, I've used the illustration way too much but your face looks like the burnt end of a hot dog. You know? Like, like, like you look like those two old people that wouldn't move out of their seat on Sunday morning. They're like teenagers. You know? Like, like radiate the joy of Jesus to others. I wrote wrote this down. Enjoy the results of a fruitful spiritual life. Soak in God's peace. Celebrate the salvation and spiritual growth of those that you've impacted for Jesus and embrace those sweet moments that come from living for Jesus. Enjoy the Jesus life. The final one is respond to the love of Jesus by trusting in him. I can't, this is the last one we're wrapping it up, but I can't wrap it up without going back to what Jesus said when he said, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Maybe the reason you have such a hard time loving people is because you've never allowed yourself to be loved by God. You've never come to that moment in your life where you realize that, that cross that I see around people's neck and at, on churches and stuff that's a that that that's a cross that Jesus died on he had nails put in his hands and through his legs and a spear put through his side a crown of thorns mashed on his head because he loved me and he knew that the only way for my sins to be forgiven for and for me to be given life is for him to die in my place Have you ever trusted in Jesus? Have you ever responded to that love that he showed for you? Maybe tonight's the night you need to trust in Jesus. A lot of people have been asking me, Matt, why does it seem like you give an invitation to trust in Jesus every time now? Well, this crazy thing's been happening. Just about every time. We give people the opportunity to trust in Jesus lately. People have been trusting in Jesus. So that's exciting. So we're going to keep doing it. And maybe you've seen other people respond to Jesus lately. You've seen God working in other people's lives lately. And tonight's the night you say, I want God to work in my life. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're not going to have a big come forward invitation or anything like that. I just want to give you the opportunity to spend some time with God. For the next minute to just abide with him. You've taken in his word. He's spoken to you. It's your time to speak back to him. Is God pruning and cutting some things out of your life and you've been pushing back against it? Maybe tonight's the night you just need to say, God, whatever you need to do to make me more like you, do it. Maybe you've been living, trying to live the Jesus life, but you just, the joy has not been there. You say, God, will you put that joy back in my life? Maybe you've been at a crossroads about your future. And you'll dedicate a weekend to God, but you're having a hard time giving Him your life. And tonight you say, God, please help me to surrender my life to you. Or. Have you never trusted Jesus as your savior? There's never been a time where you've put your faith in him and believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and asked him to give you new life. If you need to do that tonight, you're tired of seeing people, God work in other people's lives and you're ready to see him work in your life. And you're ready to trust in him. I want to ask you to do that now. A lot of people turn their trust into a prayer and, uh, I'm going to pray a prayer that you could model and pray quietly in your heart as I pray it out loud. And If you trust in Jesus and you believe in him tonight and you're ready to see him start working in your life, I'd ask you to pray this. Um, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I know I'm disconnected from you. I believe that when you died on the cross, you died for my sins and you made a way for me to have a relationship with you. I trust that you paid the penalty for my sin. And by believing in you tonight, I receive your gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I pray that you'll give me the strength to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Let's pray together. Um, God, thank you so much that you've done all the work and you continue to do all the work. You did all the work necessary for us to be saved. You sent your son. Your son lived a perfect life. Your son died in our place. Your son rose from the grave. You sent us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you didn't just do all the work to save us. You are doing all the work to sanctify us. You're doing all the work to make us like you. You're pruning, you're, you're, you're the vine dresser, you're, you're lifting us up, you're putting us where we need to be and you're nourishing us and you're guiding us. God, I pray that we'll embrace the Jesus life. And God, I pray if there's someone here tonight that's really been going back and forth about trusting in you, whether or not they're saved. Um, God, I pray that tonight was the night that they trusted in you or that tonight is the night that they will trust in you. And I pray that after they trust in you, they will reach out to a leader so we can help them get started in their walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.